Everybody, it's H, and welcome to the 97th episode of Dune Pod, your one-stop shop to enjoy the new Dune movies. This week, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Jason. We're allowed to talk about Conolingus on Dune Pod, and by digital branding genius Katie Drecky. There was a lot of sexual energy happening on this, on this film. We cover one of the biggest science fiction classics of all time that was at least partially inspired by Jodorowsky and Mobius's Dune-inspired comic, The Incal. I am, of course, talking about The Fifth Element. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us whenever you want. A link is in the show notes. And now, without further ado... The Fifth Element. We are back. I, so I just have to ask, first of all, Katie, how do you and Jason know each other? And how did you, fight, how did you get to the pod? Well, we know some people in common. Mm. Jason was organizing a project whilst in the White House. Ah. I was invited to participate. So I actually met him. In, in an a very official special capacity. place, yeah, in an official capacity. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first time we ever met was in the Roosevelt Room with Barack Obama. <laughs> Whoa, uh, yeah. <laughs> so not how, how you usually meet people. Yeah, it was a little unusual how things began, and then yeah. we stayed in touch. And then I was living in Japan for a short stint. He came through with Crystal. They came yeah. to my house. He brought me whiskey. Oh wow! Then it was, then it was like then it was like then it was real. Like, now we're friends. <laughs> Yeah, that was awesome. Um, and then the funny thing is, I haven't seen his face since then. Oh, since, yeah. Until just now. But yeah. I've been listening to so many of the podcasts. I actually sent you a note, Jason, where I was like, I feel like we've been hanging out. Yeah. But I haven't actually seen you in several years, maybe maybe three years. You know, my mom says the same <laughs> thing. My mom told me, she's like, you know, I, I listen, I love the podcast too, because uh you know, I feel like I get to hang out with you, even though I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, so, you know, this is the, the you're getting the best version of me through the podcast anyway. Like You don't know. No one needs a more in real life version of me. The podcast is the best you can do. My mom cannot listen to the podcast. She cannot get it working on her computer. Oh, um, okay. She's not in a Mac environment, so I can't just send her an easy link and have her open it straight up. Um one time she was able to listen to the French Dispatch episode by accident and she's never yeah. been able to recreate it. And she's the hardest tech support person I've ever met in my life. So and I Do you think oh. though, I mean, you, your your experience with giving her tech support sort of maybe discredits this theory, but do you, do you have you ever thought maybe she's just not interested in the podcast? And so she's <laughs> she's telling you that uh, oh, I can't. That into you. <laughs> I don't have a Mac. I don't know. I don't know how podcast works. Meanwhile, she's got like a Linux machine and is like, you know, like is like writing writing JavaScript on the she's side. Got a separate Discord server. Yeah, you know, exactly. They talk about you. Yeah, she's just got like the shit talking dude pod Discord. 
<laughs> She's got a whole Discord just like you wouldn't believe the bullshit my son said this week. Oh Wait, my what God. if all our moms are in there? Oh, the, at, the least moms, at least they're listening. If the they're moms listening of Discord complaining. Yeah, yeah. He never met River Phoenix. That is this a is not great a, idea. Yeah. Mom Discord. Oh, moms of Discord. If people in Discord right now, uh, get your mom, get your mom on the blower this weekend and ask her to join the moms <laughs> of Dune Pot Discord. It's gonna be great. This is incredible. It's happening. It's, it's happening right now. Why? Well, I, I want to just uh, call out just a one one quick thing before we get started. Jason, we just booked our first in person hangout. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is for January of twenty twenty three. Yes. <laughs> Whoa! Planning ahead. Optimistic. Yeah. You want to so tell the people the details? I'm very yes. excited about this. Well, so Ian DeBorha, our dear friend from Synonauts Pod, um, let us know in another Discord that an insane artist was going to be going on tour mm-hmm. next winter and that mm-hmm. we should immediately book tickets, which we did. I am, of course, referring to Bluey's Playhouse. Uh, Bluey Live. Bluey <laughs> Live. Bluey Play something. Bluey Play Live. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, Jason and my kids are all obsessed with Bluey. It's the greatest thing ever. And the show's incredible. The music's incredible. And basically, it's all about how we constantly try and and compare ourselves to the father on the show and never. And we will never measure up. Mm -mm. Can't be done. Yep. I'm excited. It's going to be great. I might cry. I can't relate. My kids are in high school now. So I, at yeah. first I thought you guys were talking about a totally like real the table, super awesome hip hop artist or something that right. I needed to go Google Bluey. immediately. But it's a Bluey. Yeah, Bluey's yeah. got bars. Don't yeah. worry. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm quite excited. So that, that's going to be uh, something to look forward to during this. Uh, I'm excited about pandemic. that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Hopefully the monkey pox doesn't get us by then. Oh God, please. Um, uh, I, I'll skip it. I'll skip it. I can't right. say anything. Does that lead us into, does that lead us into Jason's ailments for the uh, week? Though? Is that a good transition? I the, hope not. Does that lead us into the ailments segment? For Are the there week? more? It's a big week. It's a big update week for Jason's oh. ailments. To be okay, let's go. Honest. Uh, well, tomorrow I have the dentist. Uh, I haven't been in a while because of the pandemic. So uh, exciting day just it for any week, but also tomorrow night. I begin colonoscopy prep for Wednesday. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's a big week. Dentist plus getting in on both ends. Both ends. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Bookended. <laughs> so no uh, recording tomorrow night. I mean, th- unless you want like a very, <laughs> you know, unless you want some sound effects. Um, yeah. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I think the best recording would be right after coming out of anesthesia. I think uh-huh. that could be really good. Yeah, I did pick up my husband from said, you know, procedure. procedure? Yeah, <laughs> and we had some interesting conversations in the car ride home. Right. Yeah, like, you I might have want some to documents it. you need to sign. Yeah, just <laughs> totally. Just get that. I'm going. kind of looking forward to any excuse for a nap. To be perfectly honest, he so did say he I, had the best sleep he'd had in a very long time. That I've mm. heard that consistently, <laughs> and that is such a sell to me. I will happily shit my brains out for 12 hours to get there. Like that seems fine. <laughs> I'm going to go sign up right now. Yeah. That's Get your colonoscopy, everyone. They lowered the age to 45. Yeah, I got sure mine. I, was, yeah. I got a clean bill of health, so all good. Yeah, you got to keep your rear in the clear. Oh, this Hex Hex recommends we that Jason's ailments would be more properly branded as Gold Toes Woes 
Gold Toes Woes. That's pretty good. Sounder for next week. Okay. All right. I'll get on it. Gold Toes Woes. All right. All right. right. I will make it happen. Um, In our other recurring kind of pre- pre-segment here, Jason. Uh, Elon so news. Elon, <laughs> Elon news. Elon update. All right. So so Elon is officially, he's had enough of being at war with Jason. That's right. He, he wants peace. to mend his fences. Jason, That's right. Tell the people. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously have kind of not been the biggest Elon fan for a while. Uh, for those listening live, I think I'm going to be on Bloomberg again tomorrow at 2 p.m. And I yes. will have not eaten solid food. Uh, so should be spicy or incoherent. Um, so tune in for that. Talking more Elon news, Elon Twitter news, but, uh, he tried to make amends this week by posting that he considers Elden Ring to be the greatest work of art he's ever experienced, um, which he's really trying. He's really trying to woo me now. And I didn't know, I didn't know that that was, I didn't know that was in his game. So I'm excited. I'm excited about that. He's trying to bury the like giant killy finger with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the flicky finger. Yeah, uh-huh. the giant the giant flicky finger. Uh-huh. Man, what if I would co-op with Elon and we just settle this and we would just be we would just be we'd just be boys. What would it take? What would uh, it take? I, unclear at this point. <laughs> at this point, at this point my fantasy outcome for this whole scenario So he's he's already lost like 50 billion 50 billion with a B dollars. Uh, in in value and net worth, um, because Tesla has lost half of its value <laughs> since he started this nonsense, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, and like Twitter, the whole and obviously like macroeconomically, the whole market has fallen off a cliff. And so Twitter is like trading twenty dollars below the purchase price, or has traded twenty dollars below the per- purchase price. And so my fantasy scenario at this point is just that he is compelled to buy the company at fifty four twenty at the at the contracted price, and it just ruins him because he's over levered <laughs> on the Tesla stock. Like he's not going to be like homeless. He's not going to be bankrupt. He'll always be a billionaire. But that like he is like sufficiently crippled because of this whole ridiculous endeavor. That is my that is my fantasy. Small mm. remote chance it happens, yeah. but uh, th- that's how he can make amends is by just letting the bird ruin him. So shame mm. and ridicule is what you're looking for. Yes, exactly. That's, <laughs> yes, pride goes before fall. As always, as always, choose the most spiteful outcome possible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we shall see. Uh, we will look forward to you on Bloomberg tomorrow. Uh, Thank you. And, and see that. And we will wait for your Dune references. Uh, oh, yes. I'm going to try. I'm going to try hard. Although I'm, I'm going to be without food. So we'll see how it goes. All right. We'll do do your best. Well, Katie, we're so excited to have you here. So can you just explain? I, I described it as digital branding genius. Um, <laughs> is that your official title? Um, and if it so, now. what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I'll take it. I'm printing business cards right now. Oh, good. I'm getting into oh, yeah. the brand new business. Okay, yeah. excellent. No, I just, I, I have a, a background of working in, um, some might call smoke and mirrors, but mm. other people, you know, see the, the, the true wealth and value of being able to clearly articulate what it is that you stand for and what it is that you're trying to get done. And um, mm. so I don't know, I've just, been, I've worked around the world and worked in probably 20 plus years of advertising agencies, worked on some of very familiar brands like Nike and Adidas and Coca-Cola and Qantas Airlines and Tiger Beer and DHL and, you know, you name it, the industry. I've probably hung out in it and tried to figure it out, which is pretty cool. And then I've I've done two little corporate stints, one inside of Adidas in Europe and then seven years at Nike. And wow. then since, but, but over the last 
almost two years I've been rewilding myself (laughs) from the corporate environment and being an independent. And I got to say, I don't think there's any going back. I really Uh, like it. It's super fun. I'm excited. I just realized uh, apparently there's a, there is a football um, tournament this year happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't paying much attention to the world cup, so I'm excited about uh, checking, checking that out. Uh, Yeah. What's that start? That's June, July. Sure. Actually. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love Jason. the World Cup. I love when the World Cup is on because I get intensely like opinionated about soccer for like four <laughs> weeks and then like that's, that's it. it. Then it goes away for another four years. The best World Cup I ever experienced was when we were actually living in the Netherlands and Holland oh, was yeah. in the, yeah, yeah, the finals. Yeah. And the city was just electric. And I don't think it'll ever get as cool as it was that summer. <laughs> it was so fun. Wow. It is fun. I was in Europe for like, I think the last World Cup, I was in Switzerland and I was there like when they got eliminated and they weren't very good. But like, it's like wild. Like, it's like, it's just everything shuts down. It's like the only thing that people do is like, you just like, the, it's it feels like some apocalypse has happened because everyone's just watching soccer all day. I love that. Like that part mm-hmm. seems fun. And I like mm-hmm. having very strong opinions about soccer rules that I know nothing about. I have a great solution, which I'll share here in advance of the World Cup, whenever it might be, we don't know. That is how to avoid the dreaded penalty kick uh the after overtime after after overtime oh, uh, cuz you go. know you don't you don't want that in elimination play like for it to come down to this like random, you know, chance of of who wins. My solution is that they just continue they have once they have one overtime period and then they play uh, they they just have an indefinite overtime period. But the solution is is that the goal, the size of the goal gradually expands as like <laughs> as time goes on. So like the goal posts are on wheels and they just get gradually pulled out and the goal gets just wider and wider and wider until it's the width of the entire football field and uh-huh. by and then eventually someone will just have to have to score. All right. Uh, we'll, and we'll su- it's some, sudden death. We'll get point. some people to check on the feasibility of that. I I was going to suggest um <laughs> Like my favorite 1970s sports film, Rollerball, starring James Caan, mm-hmm. that they introduced motorcycles oh. and spiked gloves and helmets and stuff. Make that it turn also, it into a death match. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Also an appropriate American solution to the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Violence. Nice. Well, Katie, welcome to the pod. We're so happy to have you here. And you had had pinged me um, on Twitter uh, to ask for a specific movie that you wanted to cover. And this Thank one, God you did. Well, it's been, <laughs> you know, it's been out there from day one. This has always been on the list. We always yeah. knew it was going to be there because it is one of the biggest classics of all time. Um, and it's especially important because it was inspired, at least partially, by Jodorowsky and Mobius and their comic, The Inkal, which was based off of Dune, <laughs> which they tried to do together. So this is a sort of like celestial cousin um, of Mm -hmm. Jodorowsky's Dune. And so we are really happy tonight to be talking about The Fifth Element. The Fifth Element. Streaming now on Paramount Plus, America's network. Mm. Um, (laughs) And available for rent and purchase in 4K, which is stunning. Yeah, it looks great. The 4K looks good. It's legit. Uh, So check that out. So we'll be getting to that in just a few minutes. But before we do, how about if we get into some Dune news? Would you like to know more? Dune 
All right. So I have late breaking news. Oh shit. What happened? From the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Oh, this is this is sensational news. Okay. This is from our local correspondent, my mother-in-law, Cece. Uh-huh. She, she texted the family thread with Am watching the Depp Heard trial. JD's attorney just tried to trick AH's attorney, agent, who was on the stand to reveal if a character in the recent Dune movie who died will come to life in the next movie. Did you ever read Dune? Pardon? Did you ever read Dune? I know, but I've seen the movie. Do you understand whether his character will come back from the dead in the third movie? As again, I didn't read the book, so he might. I don't know. We're just talking about that one movie. That might be a bit of a spoiler. Oh, man. Dude. And she's like, well, that sounds like a bit of a spoiler. It was like this totally weird, <laughs> totally fucking weird moment uh, in this trial, which people are like, just cannot get enough of this fucking trial. Why is it uh, still going? Why I is don't it know. So everywhere. Uh, well, I read this article, which I think was debunked or is at least disputed that like there's, there's, you know. There's all kinds of forces pushing their agenda through this trial, uh, and which I definitely believe to be true because, like, there's no way that there's that much organic TikTok content that I would be seeing, like, so, like, just so I just can't get away from this thing. Mm. But I also think it's true that people are deeply interested in this trial. Like, I don't, I like Age's mother in law and like my trainer, and like, just I get so much stuff pushed to me about this fucking trial. Um, it's, it's a lot. I would like it to go away. Well, yes, please. I mean, I don't, it's just, I don't, whatever. I used to like Johnny Depp when I was a teenager and of course, all that kind of stuff. It's hard to watch something private in publicly. And I, and I kind of, I haven't clicked on anything. I'm not trying to find out anything. And yet the story follows me everywhere. And I'm like, why are you making me observe someone's sadness so closely? Please stop. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah, yeah, we should, yeah, yeah. We should, we should, we should ban all future discourse about it. We're we're gonna push back <laughs> against the trend. Okay. We're going to be we're gonna be an anti this trial podcast. After this report. reference, after this, after this, we touched our it touched <laughs> right our sensibilities. Now. <laughs> Starting now, yeah. Starting now. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> oh my God. Um, all right. So then the site. Oh well, from from bad from sad news to sadder news. We just want to just give a shout out and say R.I.P. Oh yeah, Vangelis. Yeah. Legend. Legend. King shit. Yeah. He seemed great. Deeply weird. Deeply into like you know technical noodling. Mm. Uh, had all kinds of, there's all these videos of like his gear, uh, that looks amazing. Uh, just seemed a lot of fun. Like that guy. Uh, I'm sad that he's gone. Blade Runner soundtrack is all time. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. is gotta be top 10 soundtracks of all time of any film. Mm-hmm. I want chariots of fire. If you're ever on a hold, if you're ever on like a conference call and you're on, you're on hold. <laughs> I like listening to the Blade Runner soundtrack. I do. Yep. Yeah. Oh yep. Yeah. And and all of the homages that uh, Hans worked in um, and Juki XL uh, worked mm-hmm. in in twenty forty nine, like it just mm. it was amazing. So, yep, we salute you. We salute you, Vangelis. Thank you so much. Last piece of Dune news, Jason. There's been some rumblings about you know this grudge I've been holding against past H and Jason. Low these many years, these two years. Is dating this like back a tenant to, thing. Like dating back hold- to our very first episode. <laughs> 
You hold a grudge against the past versions of ourselves. Is yeah. that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds very metaphysical. I'm into it. it. Just the aggression cannot stand. Our very first episode, which is the episode that most people are going to click on when they discover a new podcast, and uh-huh. your oh, yes. audio was bad, and my oh, yes. editing skills were terrible. I did yes. not know what I was doing. Right. So yes. we're fixing it. You're forgiven. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Forgive yourself. We're still here, thankfully. But uh, this exciting news is that coming soon, there's going to be a new special edition of episode one. Yes. Ah. Stay tuned. And watch yes. out, including new content. H, H shoots first in this version. <laughs> nice. All right. Let's welcome a couple Discord friends uh, we had joining us in the last week. Lambda Omega 555. And I'm curious if that is a reference to Interstellar 555, the um, Daft Punk anime. Mm -hmm. You ever watch Mm -hmm. that? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Oh, my God. They got the guy who did, um, what's the uh, battle, Yamato? Um, Star Blazers. Okay. All right. They got the the director of Star Blazers to do a 50-minute anime of the album Discovery one more time. Okay. Amazing. Um, oh and it's incredible. Gosh. People should check that out. Really, I used really to watch Star Blazers before school every morning. I sometimes was same. late to the bus. Yeah, same. Mm. Yeah. Our Star Blazers. Mother Earth to save the human race. Our Star Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, we also had Smig and then Desi1126 join us. Yeah, a couple people popped in late today. Last minute, it's happening. So thank you, everyone, for joining. Um, we love having you here. And, uh, you know, this Discord will live forever. Katie, do you have a history with Dune? Yes. Mm. I read the first book. I didn't go any further, but I did read the first book. And We get that a lot. Go ahead. Keep going. I Well, I, the funny thing is after I learned about the Dune pod and started listening to it, I think it might have been the first episode in which <laughs> you're like, all right, I'll keep listening. I oh, guess. No, 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 no. But I just remembered the, whatever the one it was where we were talking about the first book, mm-hmm. somebody, I can't remember who it was. One of you guys made a point about saying, um, don't book... give up until you reach a sandworm. <laughs> yeah. No, read it was until about a sandworm. Read until the sandworm, but it was officially, it was about the faints. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the I was like, yeah. yes, that is the that is the one book that really introduced me to a exponential level of intrigue and stratagem mm-hmm. that was so subtle and nuanced. I had never read anything that finely tuned before. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of forgotten that. And so listening to the podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, this mm. <laughs> really special the way this was written i i i don't think i've come across anything else actually that's close enough to be able to even say it was like it or maybe riffed off of it i don't know mm-hmm. I, so i really enjoyed the first book i didn't keep going though it's um, okay that, that's but totally fine to my daughter and as a high school student she's read it and she really liked it wow that's good um and as a whole family, we went and saw it when it came out in the theater and, you know, got really excited about all the characters and the costuming and the the scenery. 
like the yeah. way that they made each world feel so distinctively wonderful, just like the book does. Yeah. So yeah, I I did read the book. It was a while back. Amazing. Well, I I today was meeting with my new uh, doctor, Doctor Thompson, who's a naturopath in the city. And she was like, what's this podcast? Because I told her I had I got podcast shoulder last year and I told her it was Dune Pod. Uh, and she's like, oh, well, I like I like Dune. That movie nice. was really good. And she's like, I love sci-fi. I was like, great. We're going to be good friends, Dr. This Thompson. It's going to work out. Yeah. yeah nice this is how we recruit most of our listeners is through uh, <laughs> medical professionals that we have to go see as we age. Or remodels, like uh, remodels. I can't. I can't wait to tell the colonoscopy guys about it. I mean, that's gonna... <laughs> You're not going to get very far. We'll see. Wait, just don't put me out yet. I got to tell you about this podcast. I'll tell you this first. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right. Well, you guys ready to get into this? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. The fifth element is an epic struggle playing out across eons between the forces of light and dark. Corbin Dallas is a decorated military veteran reduced to driving a flying cab in New York City in the year 2259. His miserable fate is disrupted when the ultimate fair literally falls into his life. Lilu, a beautiful, genetically engineered, perfect organism who is the key to saving humanity. Now, relentlessly pursued by cops, the military, and the insidious forces of the powerful agent of the great evil, Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. They will enlist the aid of priests and the super green mega media star, Ruby Rod, as they attempt to make contact with the mysterious singing diva, Plava Laguna. Only if they succeed in recovering the four mystical stones from her, can they make their final stand by discovering the true meaning of the fifth element. The fifth element Woo. yeah oh yeah that's great that's great fifth element you guys come on yeah talk to what me. a movie talk to me who wants to start well Where'd katie you, you should you should start i today i was trying to remember the first time i saw it and the weird thing is i can't remember i can't remember the first time i saw it all i know is it was after i had seen the professional Mm-hmm. And it was, I think it was after I had seen the Dracula movie. And so I had, mm. I was, I was very well informed as to the Gary Oldman, uh, work. man and work. Yes. Work of art and Bruce Willis. I mean, I was introduced to Bruce Willis through moonlighting, moonlighting. Yes. And I had a young lady, now an old lady crush on Bruce Willis. I just thought he was the bee's knees. Mm-hmm. and. Mila Jovovich, I used to get the Seventeen magazine subscription when I was a kid. Uh-huh. She was on the cover three times. Yeah. I think it was three times. And I had this interior decorator motif in my bedroom where I took the cover off of every single Seventeen magazine that arrived. And I just had, was, you know, plating my my bedroom walls. So I I really thought she was cool, too. So all these things happened. They were in the same movie. It's funny. I didn't know Ian yet as an actor. I hadn't you know, mm. seen any of his of older stuff. And now I know he's a hobbit as well. But like at the time, Alien he, was, just, and, yeah. he was a talented guy, but I hadn't really, I didn't really understand like his book of work. Sure. Um, but it blew me away. And now it's like one of those films, whenever it comes on, 
whoever is holding the remote control better just hand it to me because we're not surfing ah. any more channels. We're stopping. We're and it was a lot of fun to introduce my kids to it. Amazing. Yeah. Mm. Jason, yeah. how about how about your kids? How did how did uh, G and and Jane <laughs> like it? I don't know if they I don't know if they've quite warmed up for it. Griffin is really into the Trown Legacy soundtrack right now, yeah. which is a great development. Um so we're, we may not be far <laughs> off. He hasn't seen the movie Tron, but he loves he loves the song. He loves uh-huh. the song Rinsler in particular. Yeah. It's a great um, one. Yeah, he's really into it. So he might be close. I saw this in the theater uh mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. really loved it. Uh love that there's like just to- a totally wacky space opera. I, I like Luke Besson. Uh, I'd liked his, you know, the movies he made before this. Uh, and so, yeah, it was like You're a 20 we... at this point, 21 somewhere. Yeah, I guess so. Something like, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And, uh, and like, yeah, it was like a movie we wa- would watch a bunch, like on, you know, on DVD or whatever, uh, mm. in the, in the post college years. Uh, but then I hadn't seen it in quite some time. So it was like probably my first viewing of it in like 20, 25 years. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh. 20 years. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like a twice a year thing at our house. <laughs> oh yeah, I would love that. I, I need that tradition. Maybe we can swap out Christmas for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't watched it in in probably three or four years. Um, I saw it in the theater as well. I was very into this film. This is when I was in Minnesota, so I was like clinging to anything good in the world mm-hmm. um, and freezing my <laughs> ass off. Um, but this definitely was a sensation. And again, this year, I think 97 was like Titanic and Starship Troopers and this. So it was definitely like a massive um explosion of science fiction and CGI was just sort of creeping into um, mm-hmm. what was happening, but, but everything uh, was changing kind of in a really dramatic way. And I actually had quite a bit of history by that point with Luc Besson um, because my freshman year of college, I think, uh, or senior year of high school, the big blue came out. Ah. Um, which is a really mm. freaking cool movie that he made with Jean Reno and I forget who the main actor is, but it's about free diving and all of the trailers make it look like the main guy is like an alien or something's going on. And then there's like this big mysterious whole set of stuff that's happening and absolutely nothing is revealed other than this diving thing. So it's like, it's missing an entire reel somewhere, mm-hmm. um, but it's gorgeous and it's really meditative and uh, rock, uh, Roxanne Arquette uh, is amazing. Um, And so like that movie I was really into. And then Nikita, his uh, foreign language, you know, French film Mm -hmm. that I saw in college is incredible. It's this amazing action movie. Totally badass. Yeah. Female empowerment, Mm -hmm. um, which spawned the movie with Jane Fonda and then a TV series and other stuff. But the original Nikita, people should check that out. That movie. Yeah, that one's amazing. You know, I watched it with my kids on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, because I was like, you know, the, the fifth element, same, same director. Let's watch yeah. it. And like, there's some really some, there's some serious similarities in the tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Corbin Dallas's theme track from the soundtrack is there's a really similar drop that happens two oh, or three nice. different times and in really intense scenes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my kids are not always thrilled about reading the subtitles. So sometimes I have to twist arms to get them oh, to watch yeah, a foreign yeah. film, but they were like, they were way into this and her behavior is so authentically bizarre and mm-hmm. kind of um, destabilizing and they totally dug it. <laughs> like, mm, cool. And uh, the ending surprised them too. They were, you could see them like 
getting themselves ready for the classic Hollywood and tie the little bow and and the way that one ends, don't want to spoil it for anybody. Yeah. It has a cool ending and the kids were like, Oh, like it could end that way. And I was like, Yeah, mm-hmm. it just did. Mm-hmm. It's really good. So I haven't seen Nikita in at least twenty years. So I'm gonna need to revisit that. I, oh, I meant it's really to good. It's to try really and good. to try and get there. But yeah, so that's really that's really incredible. Um and so obviously just quick behind the scenes. So Bassan started the script for the fifth element uh when he was 16 years old. He was obsessed uh with comics by uh Jean Giraud and um Jean-Claude Mezier. Uh that's Mobius uh and the uh who did Metal Hurland, mm-hmm. so heavy metal as well as the Incal. Um and then also uh, Jean-Claude did Valerian, which uh, Bassan famously made in 2017. I haven't seen it. I wanted to, I wanted to watch it. Valerian, I didn't get there. Either of you seen that? Yeah. I, I've seen it and I don't remember it. Yeah. My kids <laughs> love it. Really? We've seen it. Yeah. We've, we've seen it like three times together. It's fun. It's just really fun. Yeah. There's a, there's a great behind the scenes in the iTunes extras. Um, that was all about just the two of them, uh, Mobius and, and Jean-Claude. And there's some artwork from Valerian and it looks much more playful and kind of goofy mm-hmm. uh, than Mobius's stuff. Um, so I definitely got that sense there. So I will say just a cu- couple things here. Um, so both of them signed on to work on the movie. Um, but then later, the publishers of the Incal sued Bassan uh-huh. Um, claiming that they had ripped off the ink call, but they lost uh-huh. their case. Uh-huh. Jodorowsky, in classic fashion, claimed that neither he nor Mobius actually sued Bassan, but instead the lawsuit was filed by the editor. He further claimed that the case was lost because Mobius, quote, betrayed them by oh, working yes. directly with Bassan. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Betrayal. Yeah. But then, but then went on to, cons- to consider it an honor that somebody else stole his ideas. Yeah. Can you imagine deposing Yodorowsky in, in a lawsuit? No. Oh my God. What a, what a delight that must be. <laughs> you're, you're, you're trying to cross examine. It's like, so sir, did you, uh, were you aware that he was taking care of like, I told him we are spiritual warriors. <laughs> Uh, sir, that was not the question. That was not the question. Yeah. He said yes. <laughs> Did you rip me off? He said yes. Uh, so, so yeah. So, in, an incredible concept of a film that was based on a science fiction comic, and obviously a film that um, establishes a visual style that we will talk about um, as we get into the film. But let's just jump into this. So, first of all. There's this really great opening credits with this ominous music. Um, it's almost like a 2001. But then we cut, very, to me, very unexpectedly. I remember sitting in the theater when it cuts to Egypt in 1914. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I was confused anew. When I, when, I, when I was watching the movie on Saturday, I was like, wait a minute. And like, who's in this movie? Every single time yeah. I watch it, I forget that it starts with this scene. And so every single oh. time I was like... Oh yeah, it's like a nice little surprise. Yeah, Luke it's so weird that we Luke Perry. Luke Perry's in this movie. <laughs> so, like, well, this has been this is like within out. the last couple of weeks we had Luke Perry and Jason Priestley. So we, this is really the the apex yeah. of their of their power. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh. 
but it is beautiful. Like the 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 sets and the and the design, Aziz light, you know, like all these yeah. little details as they are uncovering these, uh, you know, these basically hieroglyphs that that tell the story of what's happening. And we have the priest who is in the midst of kind of deciphering. He says, "When the three planets are in eclipse, the black hole, like a door, is open. Evil comes, spreading terror and chaos. See the snake, Billy." The ultimate evil. Make sure you get the snakes. Yes, I've got your snakes. I got all the snakes. Like, I like that. You're kind of trying to get your sense of what's going on. And then the priest shows up to poison them. Yeah. Um, and so it's like- They know too it's, much. Mm. They know too much. And the priest here, Jason, has been- part of an order that's lasted for thousands or tens of thousands of mm -hmm. years. Yeah, unclear what religion the priest is a part of, exactly. Of the like fifth I, element. The pre yeah, I mean, there's like a scene later in which there's like a rabbi, a Catholic priest, uh, like an imam, <laughs> and then like this guy, <laughs> like, you know, like or Ian Holm. Like, you know, it's like, all right, I don't know. I know those other religions. Like, those are those are major religions. This guy, the priest of like you know the Mandachin or whatever. I'm not. I'm not, I'm less familiar with. What <laughs> you haven't his, heard about that one. Yeah. Are they amongst us one. today? Yeah. Yeah. This exactly. Is like, what 300 years in the future or so? So. Right. Yeah. Right. We're square in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I like. I mean, to me, I got. I just got uh, tastings of the Bene Gesserit here. Right. This idea of mm. a hidden order that is, is yeah. kind of like monitoring things from behind the scenes, and uh, and they're playing the long game. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but so, in the midst of this, them uncovering and opening this secret area, we have the Mandashiwans arrive. So these aliens, yeah, their huge design. The way that they waddle, the yeah. sounds that they make are Love just incredible. Love all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Strongly pro the Matachiwan warrior robot, whatever's going on there. Every time I see them, I think of the Weeble Wobbles. <laughs> the Weebles wobble, but they don't, they don't fall, fall down. No, they've got a low center of gravity for sure. <laughs> yeah. It would take a lot to get them down. You couldn't pin They're them. They're so different from every other sci-fi alien you're presented with, mm -hmm. you know, in the eighties, you know, mostly a lot of what you see in the eighties are lizard like spider, like mm -hmm. scary, um, or, you know, like a gremlin or like a plushy toy or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so this is a completely different silhouette. The sounds they're making are unfamiliar. I always think their faces look a little bit like a duck bill. Uh -huh. And I'm like, yeah. what, what is, what, what's going on? And I also noticed with this viewing, that they all have like an ET like heart mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. light. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, a little bit of Neil Diamond came in the back of my mind when I saw that. You know, turn on your heart light. Oh, turn, turn on, on your heart light. <laughs> yeah. Let it glow wherever you go. <laughs> They're big yeah. Neil Diamond fans, the Mondashi ones. Mondashi like they, one. they really yeah. love it. Mm. But I just mm. like how like uh, just totally surprising they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love them. It sort of reminds me of sort of like a dark crystal or like labyrinth type creature, like something that's like kind yeah. of weirdly steampunk. Um, big mm -hmm. fan of that whole design. Agree, uh, agree. And I thought, um, I thought Luke Perry's performance here is actually really great. He yeah. to me is super charismatic, and I just thought as I was watching this. I wish he'd gotten like some more movies. I wish he'd had some more opportunities to do something in that mm -hmm. vein. Like, mm -hmm. why wasn't he the like sidekick in the Mummy or something? He's too yeah. pretty. Mm, he he deserved better though. I think for his sure. I think his looks killed him in a way. Mm. Yeah. Mm, fair enough. 
you fly too close to the sun. Sometimes it works for you. Sometimes it works against you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, so the Mondashi wins, take the stones. Uh, you know, Luke opens fire. One of them sacrifices himself um, and gives up the key back to the priest. And the rest of the Mondashi wins take off with the stones and head out of there. And I love this transition from showing the triangle on the sculpture to the computer screen in 2259, mm-hmm. which to mm-hmm. me felt like a direct 2001 mm. homage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's in this we're in this like same tech transition that like sneakers was in when like the computer screens mm-hmm. like look like computers, but they look like really bad computers. And so anytime right. they're trying to do something like super advanced technologically, you're like, oh, it looks like <laughs> oh no, it looks like they're playing King's Quest on like, like 386 <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, State of the art. Yeah. Uh huh. Totally. Well, so we, we have the anomaly beyond Jupiter space. And so mm-hmm. we have the, the general stat art uh, is the Baron Munchausen, John Neville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys like that movie? You ever seen that? I don't think I've seen it all the way through. I, uh, I haven't seen, I haven't seen <laughs> that one. A either. stunning indictment. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> you haven't? Uh-uh. Gilly, Would we like it? it? I mean... No, I mean it's not. No, it's not. I, I've never heard it's good. <laughs> I was kind of obsessed with it. Uh, that it makes was def- sense. That it was. De- it was definitely incredibly inventive, wildly imaginative, and very bold and ambitious. Um, it's just too long and and too weird. Um, but it, it <laughs> definitely has some really really cool stuff in it. Um, I just want to call out though, we have this general who's got his missile and we have the appearance of absolute evil, which is basically like this ball of fire or whatever. And we have him in dialogue with President Lindbergh, mm-hmm. played by Tony Lister Jr., who is yeah. amazing in this movie. Yeah, he's good in this movie. He's good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The general everyone there's a lot of good, like sort of bit parts in this movie. The general's pretty good. He li- mm-hmm. I like the way that he defies the president. The ship is in combat for me. Missile for loading, Mr. President. Stutter. Yes, sir. I have a doubt. I don't, Mr. President. I don't. I love that. I love the line. I have a doubt. I think that's a very yeah. strange line. But it, can you talk to me about like like protocol when the president says he has a doubt? Like, is the general <laughs> allowed to just go ahead and fire? I mean, I don't know how things work in the future and the, you know, the pre- the president of the United, the Federation of whatever, but it suggests that maybe civilian control of the military has attenuated some 300 years from now, which is, should be a concern to all of us. Seems bad. Seems bad. Uh, well, so the cut from there is the missiles explode. Uh, they do nothing. And then, and then the general gets chased down and destroyed. Um, and as they're all dying in a fire, we cut to Corbin Dallas's apartment, which to me is one of the most amazing yeah, production a great design. Set. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah a great yeah. set. Super fun. They unpack so much information in this tiny interlude here. Yeah. Like the cigarette. It's 80% filter, right? Like the idea yeah. of yeah. you only get this much cigarette now. Uh, that's all you can have. The cat. Yeah. Like yep. the modularity of the space, how it's a tiny little space, but it's doing all of these different things. The track that's yeah. dropping behind him is like, it's a, it's a banger. Like I, it, always, it always just grabs me. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and he's on the phone with his, his old buddy, who's his boss now for the cab company. He's talking about how he's lost his wife and he says that he's looking for the perfect woman. Um, but then we get to almost my favorite scene in the entire film, which is where he opens the front door after checking his camera 
uh, to the hallway robber who has the picture of the hallway, the hallway. on his hat. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the cash. Been here long? You got long enough. Come on, give me the cash. This guy does You have great the cash. Give me the cash. Been here long. Come on, give me the cash. Give me the cash. This is, a, this is again, one of those performances where I'm like, how, uh, how, what, what, what take did they come up with this particular read of what this guy was going to be like? Because it was in the script. It's no so improv. It's so specific. <laughs> like the, the, the tweakery thing he's doing. I really like it. He's really fun. The, the way he dance he does and everything. The, the little dance, dance at the end is so weird. It's great. Yeah. It's such a weird touch. Absolutely. Love that guy. Absolutely amazing. And did guy. you recognize him? Uh-uh. Who is it? He's an Amelie. Yeah, he's the boyfriend in Amelie. Oh. The scooter boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched Amelie in a Fallen long from time. Grace. Yeah, yeah I remember right. seeing that in college and really loving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good stuff. I haven't seen that forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bruno Delbanel on the uh, the DP for for Amelie there. Um, so I also one of the things that's so important to me. Uh, Corbin gets in his cab and he pulls out. The fact that they don't show the city, they just see it. You, all you see is this tiny little slice as he goes out because they're holding back that reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're just going to compress this portion. But now we're on the birth of Lilu. So basically, the Mondashiwans try and come. They get blown up by the Mangalore. And all that they recover is part of a Matashiwin um, arm, which they then put in this grower piece, and they activate this grower to rebuild um, the score and the yeah. visuals of this scene are insane. Yeah. Love the love the fucking love the growers. The grower's great. The, the, How do they do the skull? How do they do the skull the assembly? Skull's great. I mean, it's like they anticipated uh, 3D printing. They they knew. Yeah. He saw the future. How? I don't know. I love Luke how it, the future. it looks so lo-fi, hi-fi at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Almost its jankiness gives it more credibility or something. Totally. I was I worried agree. about this scene because I hadn't seen it in a while. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, it still really works. It still, it still works. It rem- it's still fun. Yeah. Yeah, and so then they put the thermal badges or the thermal bandages over her, um, which apparently I think she Mia was was part of the inspiration for that um, suggestion. Yeah, I was just watching a little clip on that today, mm-hmm. where they were trying to figure out how does she go from being in this capsule in this like regeneration to jumping off the building. Like there yeah. needs she can't run around without anything on. There needs to be some sort of something that takes place. And she starts thinking about medical bandages. Oh. She starts thinking about when you're in the hospital, how they give you these gowns, the gowns. open from the back because they need accessibility to your body. And they started kind of rolling with that theme Amazing. and realizing these bandages could be part of the machinery. They could it's be so medical cool. in nature. The way they come but she's, over. Yeah. But then she's yeah. able to like remove herself from the machine and take agency. Well, that's the thing. So when they activate her, her performance from the jump is so incredible because she's like spring-loaded, completely animalistic. The arching back thing where she's like breathing yeah. and like gasping for air initially, mm. it's intense. And then when she growls at the general, <laughs> yeah. that's where I like always fall deeply, madly in love with her all over again, where yeah, it's yeah. like, sh- you just go ahead and underestimate this one. You try. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> like, yeah. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. So this is all the costumes are Jean-Paul Gaultier, right? Yeah, in yeah. The, let's talk about all of them. 
Yeah, and the this is also the co- the first introduction of the cops with the Mobius helmets and yeah. stuff like the big yeah. bulky cops. Yeah, yeah. The, co- the yeah. costume design is is a real character in the movie. I feel absolutely. Like, I love all the corrugated like fabrics that they're wearing. Mm. Incredible. Did you see when um, they had his exhibit at of his costume work, including a bunch of stuff from Fifth mm. Element at the De Young? I did not. That sounds mm-hmm. great. It was sounds incredible. Amazing. It was, did, did you go? Yeah. I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. That was that was. Really I would love to phenomenal. see that. I, I listened to a whole podcast on just the Fifth Element from two costume designers who hmm. do a podcast on costume design and film. Mm-hmm. Cool. And they were hardcore geeking out about all these amazing bits about, I mean, I'll probably just sprinkle them in what I learned throughout yeah. the show, but like there was something around a thousand, maybe more individual costumes designed for every single extra, mm-hmm. not oh even gosh. just the major players, a lot of hand done things. There was interviews with uh, the designer where he was able to say things like, Hey, I come from a world where you had need to have a new collection every season. Right. Mm-hmm. This right. movie right. took right. quite a while to get done. Like I had a lot of time. It was like, it just kept going and going. So his stack of inventions and creations just kept going and going and going. Mm. And there's in- individual pieces that I think is really interesting. Cause I think one of the undertones of this film is kind of its way of projecting androgyny in the future. Mm. almost again almost being prescient to like how the world is starting to evolve and we've got a lot more gender fluidity and openness today than we did even in the 90s when this film came out right but when you look at the costuming like even um ruby Rod- corbin's oh, corbin's yeah. orange tank top. The orange he's the tank most top, yeah. like straight straight ahead character he's like the straight man to every other crazy character <laughs> it seems yeah yeah but his tank top, the neckline goes just high enough that it starts to give you signals of it being more of a female silhouette. Uh-huh. And also, I didn't notice, I'm going to have to rewatch to get more looks at it, but the costume designers were talking about how there's cutouts in the back uh-huh. that make it a little bit racier than your average man's tank top. Huh. There's also only a couple shots. And actually, I caught it with this last viewing. My daughter and I watched it the other night with the Chuckle Hut, which was super fun. Woo-hoo. And I was like, wait a minute, the pants. Did you see his yeah. pants? It's in one mm-hmm. of the shots um, in the apartment. They are laced up the front. They are uh-huh. laced down the sides. They are leather. They are mm. clearly like stitched. Like eat some of these items could have their own movie. <laughs> like they're just so <laughs> yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of really, especially Ruby Rod. I mean, Ruby Rod is like the right. exemplar. He's he's wearing silhouettes that are very feminine. Yeah. But his male sexuality is like oozing off of yeah. him like a river. Yeah, so it's yeah. really interesting how they're just playing around with who wears what color-wise, t- uh, texture-wise, silhouettes, all the stuff. That's Super great. Fun. Love that. The, I was just looking at a picture as you mentioned the neckline, and it is a very high neckline on the on the Corbin Dallas orange. <laughs> and the other thing yeah. that happens because of that is you get a lot of armpit in this. Uh, yep. You get a lot of Bruce Willis <laughs> armpit mm. in this one. Yeah, that's interesting. It's all right. I just think in general, <laughs> like this film really captures the idea of science fiction, right? It mm-hmm. really captures, there's a lot of, um, it's not too much of the grimy future. It's not like trying to be uh, um, Blade Runner. I think they very mm-hmm. carefully avoided rainy, dark, um, like things tend to be better lit um, mm-hmm. and more bright. And you definitely have a lot of characters um, in opulent settings like Floston Station, 
or Flossed in Paradise, um, where you have this big wealth, but you also have like people in the background and and stuff. So I, I don't know. I just think it conveys a lot of yeah. what's happening, as well as the the differential between you know small people and cops, right? Uh, it, these really big, bulky, intimidating um, mm-hmm. outfits. Uh, they're just so powerful. I thought that was really interesting. Actually, they are meant to be scary and intimidating or demonstrative with the size, but when they're in their car. It's comical. Yeah. They can barely mm-hmm. move. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they, can you imagine some guy running in that? Like you can, <laughs> you can outrun. So they almost, they look scary and foolish at the same time. Yeah. So I really feel like there's a lot of subtext, even in just how the costuming is put together and how the human body works inside of those costumes. Agree. The cops are buffoons the whole time, right? Like they, the they, they, yeah. they, they're bulky and strong, but then they just can't really do very, do very much effectively. Um, and so this is obviously one of the most iconic shots in cinema history. This idea of her going down this tunnel, coming out and stepping onto this platform and looking down on, from the ledge. The reveal of the city now, so powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the score here is so incredible. This The subway train that goes shooting down next to yeah, her yeah. and her reaction to that. Yeah. Holy her shit. eyes well with tears. Yeah, She's yeah. overwhelmed and overstimulated. Like it's just like we are. Like it's really great. She's a good crier. She's she's one of those actresses or you know actors who seems like she probably can cry really easily. Uh, like you know just like well up, no problem. Uh, and wasn't she just nineteen? Nineteen. Yeah. Filming this? Oh my 19 god. Years old. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Also, just the city. Um, the fact that they built a uh, twenty foot tall. Um, you know, filled an entire soundstage with New York City. That's basically what they they created, all of those buildings, and then used some digital effects to put the models flying around and whatnot. Just stunning. Um, and then The Leap, um, which is so classic, and her falling down and then bam, smashing into his cab. Um, <laughs> and their immediate chemistry as they're kind of getting connected and, and starting to talk. Um, and all of the whole, uh, you know, big bada boom. Bada big boom. Big yeah. boom. Yeah, big oh. bada boom. Bada boom. <laughs> big ba- boom, big bada boom. Bada boom. Big boom, bada boom. <laughs> this reminded me of talking to my toddler. Like the like this is ah. like very much a conversation you have with like a two-year-old. It's like, you know, big boom, bada boom, big boom, bada boom. Like that's like, <laughs> just like you could do that for several hours. I had the link uh, maybe two weeks ago. I'll put it back in the show notes again for folks to check out the Born Sexy Yesterday. This is definitely a trope of science fiction uh, as well as uh, other mm. films. But this notion of this beautiful innocent um, who uh, you know is there uh, with the first man she's ever met um, and thinks he's amazing and is competent and yet childlike. Wearing um, a bandage dress. Yeah, well, just it's as interesting. A- I, I my read was not that she thought he was amazing. I think he finds her pretty interesting, mm-hmm. attractive, surprising, no doubt. Fell through the roof of his car, mm-hmm. and he's a guy who has background training that leads him to pay attention to things and to not be disoriented when surprises happen, mm-hmm. take advantage of them even. But mm-hmm. she's just been reborn, and we recognize that she's also going through a rapid relearning. She's got to mm-hmm. like acquire language. Right. She's got to reorient herself. And mm-hmm. so I kind of read some of the childlike stuff um, as just 
exhibits of that rapid recalibration that she's mm-hmm. going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see her as being attracted to him. I just saw her as being savvy and recognizing mm. he's the only one here. I'm under, someone's clearly trying to take me back to a scene that I don't want to return to. Yeah. I'm going to need to appeal. And she saw a picture of a child's face crying and she mm. mimicked it to him. Mm. Her delivery of please help. I can't. Plays. Is yeah, amazing. It's so good. It's so good. Amazing. <laughs> she's 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 using whatever tool she can in that moment to to better her circumstances. Yeah, and she's would, not attracted to him, at least not yet. Like, yeah, yeah. Eventually, this is you know a love story, an odd one, but yeah. like, but he's he's clearly okay. What's this? Yeah, this is this is interesting. <laughs> Well, and I, I particularly like the dynamic of you've established that he's kind of he's on his last points on his license. And then this music here as the cops pull up and they, you know, buckle their, you know, they attach the, their car to his car and they're insisting that she come out. And he's just like, you better do what they say. I can't do anything. I'm sorry. But the score here is absolutely phenomenal. And I just mm-hmm. I realized the whole time watching this film, this score is the most slept on part of this movie. Like people yeah. do not talk about it nearly yeah. enough. Eric yeah. Sarah. Um yep. Jason, speak on it. I don't know anything about it except I thought it was good. Uh <laughs> I did and, and like and like they do like the I the I the thing I noticed this time was like they let the score take over certain scenes or certain moments more than I had remembered yeah. where like yeah. it, the, the score really carries the scene more than any dialogue or even action in the scene. And I thought that was, that was contrary to, to what I, I didn't even remember that being a big element in the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that cop chase, when he finally decides to get involved and you know, he takes off and the music drops and it has that piano. And it's that is like a Latin jazz vibe, and then all of a sudden there is an Arabic vocal that is used with that, which is giving you this incredible melange of culture that has happened. Yeah. So it's conveying so much in the story, completely effortlessly. I saw I saw what you did with melange. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only track that's actually not on the soundtrack. It's oh. on the playlist on Spotify. On Spotify, so, but it yeah. but it is like it's for whatever reason it didn't get glommed in with the rest. I don't mm-hmm. know that maybe some rights issues or something. And I think it simultaneously communicates this dun 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 dun, dun situation yeah, yeah. they're in. Yeah, but with also like this marketplace vibe. It also mm-hmm. kind of felt I felt like it was communicating to me what New York has become. Mm-hmm. You know, that there is this Latin kind of somewhat familiar beat going on in the background. And then this Arabic voice mm. that is singing and wailing over the top that somehow works. That's yeah. great. And then That's when great. he's he's um, he's evading capture, there's two specific moments my brain always connects to the song. They've mm-hmm. clearly like tried to link them. One is where he turns and he dives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, the, and the track kind of follows the dive. And then there's another one where he sees that they've got guns pointed on him and he turns his car and spins yeah. it yeah, and yeah, the track yeah. plays to that spin. Yeah. And I hear the song and I see the movie playing in my mind. Like they're so linked. It's really 
Good stuff. I mean, I, I read somewhere that it was something like 85 to 90% of the film has musical tracks going oh, yeah. on behind that it. Like sense. it's almost it's like a, a, a subtle opera of its own. Huh. Yeah. The shot of the six cop cars when he pulls up mm-hmm. um, is, I mean, that's the cover, spoiler, that's the cover for this uh, episode. Uh, because to me, it is the most iconic image of the film. Like, I just love the city and those and those cars. Also, they look like they're from the 40s. Um, yeah. You know, the design of, of yeah. the cab and, and all those cop cars. Big they're like some cars. Yeah. But you know what they, they are? I saw um, an article where they took the, the scene of the car from the film and put it next to the... the um, Comic book, graphic novel. Oh yeah, that yeah. inspired it, and they're yeah. they're like they're twins, identical. Like it, yeah. it's it's definitely pulled from there. I, I don't know why automotives would become so bulbous and loaded when the city is so crowded. You'd think things would get narrow and small, but it's it's certainly making mm. a point. Mm. Also, they had the entire taxi. Uh, they constructed that on a gimbal. So that all, everything they were shooting inside the cab was all, and like the shot, like the close-ups of him with the camera whipping back and forth on his face and just getting rocketed around, just, and and like pointed up and down so that she's like falling and I don't know. Holy we shit. love a gimbaled car here on Dune Pod. That's one of our, <laughs> it's one of our favorite things is when they gimbal a car. Hmm. Mm. So we go now into, you know, they get away. They manage to go into the, into the dark um, Holy I'm, shit, this movie cost $90 million. $90 to make. million. Dollars. All right. Well, that's that's part of the problem, really. There's a gimbal right there. It was the, the most <laughs> expensive film outside of Hollywood in history up to this point. Never, never wow. go for that title. What's that? Wow. Never go for that title. You never want to be the most expensive movie outside of Hollywood. That's not it, great. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. But this was a this was a French production company, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so they escape, he takes her to Vito. So there's like now like 15 or 20 minutes of kind of like slow development as kind of things are, things are kind of boiling. Do you, you agree with that, Jason? It kind of slows down a bit. Yeah, it slows down a bit here. It, the, the movie does have some kind of strange pacing. Like this move, this part goes pretty slow. And then in the first part, Ian Holm shows up. It's like, no problem. The Mandochinans are coming and they're bringing the fifth element. And then it's like immediate cut. The they get blown up and then he's like we're 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 ruined we're screwed. It's <laughs> like okay that all happened really fast and then this part <laughs> takes forever. So they do have some weird they do have some weird pacing issues in the movie. I agree. Like you have on one hand you have like Zorg's weapon demonstration. Yeah, um, yeah. which I love. Like he is <laughs> he is amazing um, in the midst of that, um, just shooting everything. Um, but then also he, you know, he kidnaps uh, Vito, Zorg, you know, Zorg kidnaps uh, Vito. And we have, you know, Zorg's, uh, you know, raison d'etre of, you know, his description of chaos, mm-hmm. which Jason, as you know, was based on the parable of the broken window, which famed French economist Frederick oh. Bastiat deconstructed in 1850. Okay. Uh, <laughs> As you know. But he uh, said <laughs> he says life which you so nobly serve comes from destruction, disorder, oh. and chaos. Now take this empty glass. Here it is. Peaceful, serene, boring. But if it's destroyed, look at all these little things. So busy now. Notice how each one is useful. 
A lovely ballet ensues, so full of form and color. Now think about all those people that created them. Technicians, engineers, hundreds of people who will be able to feed their children tonight so those children can grow up big and strong and have tiny little children of their own and so forth and so on. Thus Amazing. adding to the great chain of life. Oh my Amazing. God! Table Amazing read. accent. Wow, yeah, this, is like, this is really a lot. I I might retire. I don't know if I'm, I, my services are required here. I got way more than here. my ticket price. Dang. <laughs> so so, do you agree with uh, famed French economist Frederick Bastiat that that's not necessarily economically sound? Did or? he also have that kind of country <laughs> accent? Is that yeah. is that also what he sounded like? He also choked on a cherry. Oh okay. yeah. I feel like Zorg's character is the consummate. Texas capitalist placed 300 years in the future. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he's got yeah, pinstripes yeah. in his suit and I love his broken heel that mm. clanks. It makes me think of spurs, mm-hmm. you know, that jingle, jangle, jangle, yeah, but yeah. also, but also just like ruthlessness. Like mm-hmm. it just, it's like metal on metal. Here I come one step at a time. Yeah, no doubt. And he also, he's tasked with uh, laying off uh, 500,000 people and he's like fire 1 million. And so <laughs> I, I, I like that idea of which, uh, you know, Corbin Dallas is one. Um, but this notion of him choking on the cherry, like suddenly the film is very slapsticky in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's like a very weird tonal shift to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it becomes a little. Goofy. Yeah. That's my only thing that I don't like about the film. Sometimes if I'm all not in the right mood, those things will really bug those kind of corny bits. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sometimes I wish they weren't there mm-hmm. or maybe just turned down a little bit. Agree. But, Jay- yeah. Jason Dallas eating from the Thai boat outside of his window. Yeah. Oh. It so felt good. like a big Blade Runner nod, right? Incredible. Like the yeah. boat was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The boat's great. It's it's basically And that guy is so cool. He's great. He says you've been fired. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> joke. Uh there's it's it's a it's a great scene. It's really fun. He's got he he pulls up his anchor and floats away in his his little junk boat. I love they that. They built that boat. They built the whole boat. Of course boat they did. They had 90 million dollars. They could do anything. That, that boat and that actually was 1997 dollars. Yeah, exactly. The boat <laughs> flew. It had anti-gravity suspensors too. Yeah. Well, can we talk about Brian James as General Monroe? Yes. Ooh. We love him. We see him a lot. Again, it's pretty slapsticky, right? Like That's another Blade Runner reference, right? Yeah, going yeah. in the freezer. Yeah. yeah, he's Leon. And then also he is there with, can we talk about Major Iceborg, please? <laughs> Major Iceborg. Major Iceborg is just delightful. I love that. <laughs> I, I love the, like, we. I watched this with Crystal. Crystal loves this movie. Yeah. Uh, and so we watched it uh, together, which we don't always do for Dune Pod. And when Major, I, I think Major Iceborg was the biggest laugh in the whole thing, for sure. <laughs> She's so ridiculous. Great and name. The, the Princess Leia. Princess Leia Buns. Buns. Yeah, it terrific. was. It, yeah, she's a, it was a little over the top. Terrific. <laughs> that was also slapsticky, but also was kind of fun. You have the shootout uh, with cops and the Mangalore and all that happening, and they're able, uh, you know, to get out of there. The priest knocks out Dallas, um, who then has to try and catch up to them. So we finally have arrived at Lilu Dallas multipass. His fall, by the way, when he gets hit on the head and his fall in that scene. Yeah. It's yeah. So good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I laugh every time. I can't. So he has like the 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 statue is like a like a bronze cross or something. I don't. Jason, like an award. One, what award is that? <laughs> I like that you asked me like about these <laughs> facts of military history. Yes, as though as though one, I'm an expert in military history, and then two, your as boss whatever, was the commander in chief. 
yeah, I didn't. I didn't work on. I didn't work on those parts of the portfolio. I don't know if you you're familiar with what the the social media department does, but we don't we don't command the troops. Although I did have the rank of a three star general. But uh, <laughs> who did you report to, by the way? I reported the chief of staff. I, okay. I yeah, I, Dennis. I didn't have I didn't have I didn't have performance review meetings with Obama. Directly. Okay, how's your okay okay I was doing? Yeah, but then also that I would know anything I would know anything about what awards what military awards are being given out in the twenty third century is not okay. part of my remit. Well, he did have uh, a medal. of I appreciate honor. your confidence. Uh, I did, saw that. Yeah, he had some like printout that said Medal of Honor, like some sort of print shop banner. <laughs> print shop pro. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, so we've made it to Lilu Dallas Multipass. Uh, so I love this. I'm Corbin Dallas. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Yeah. Multipass. Lila, uh, multipass. She knows it's Multipass. Lilu Dallas, my wife. We're newlyweds. Just met. Multipass. You know how it is. Bump into each other. Sparks multipass. happen. Yeah, she knows it's a Multipass. Yeah, anyway, we're in love. Lilu Dallas. Multipass. Multipass. Anyway. Yeah, yeah she knows it's Multipass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I... I love that. And then the way the scene plays out as person after person shows up trying to be Corbin Dallas. Including um, right hand. Tricky. Yes. Massive attack. <laughs> yes. So him impersonating Cor- Corbin Dallas, that's me. Yeah. That's impossible. I am Corbin Dallas. Sorry, sir. Boarding is finished. His voice is insane. Yeah. Tricky's yeah. voice is pretty wild. He's great. What Tricky, does he sound like now? kid. I don't know, man. I mean, he's he's lived he's lived a life. I'm sure he sounds great. Uh, but he's like again, he's wearing like this leather jacket, no shirt, weird bolo tie, tie yeah. like a like a bolo tie. Mm. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I'm Corbin Dallas. What do you mean? Yeah. I'm Corbin Dallas. This Bristol accent, yeah, it's so great. Yeah, I love it. Amazing. And then he gets on the phone and blows himself up, or he doesn't blow himself up. He, he gets, gets blown, blown up. up. Mm-hmm. And then we messy. cut fr- we cut from there to. Ruby Rod. Mm. Amazing. Oh my Amazing god. Amazing shit. Tucker. He did it, man. He just yeah. absolutely went for it. This was my first exposure to Chris Tucker. Mm-hmm. I hadn't yeah. seen his other stuff before, and I was like, who? Yeah. What is this? This is amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's two years after Friday and one year before Rush Hour is where we are in the Chris Tucker. Like, okay. I think the, the only the, other thing I'd seen zone. him in... The only other thing I'd seen him in was also in 1997, which actually we should do this movie, is Jackie Brown. Yeah, Jackie Brown Ooh. is also on. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's it's the height of Chris Tucker's Chris Tuckerness, and he this is, is unlike anything he's ever done. Yeah, I mean it's unlike almost any performance ever, really. <laughs> like the his it's funny. verbal, yeah, just yeah, his verbal abilities. Come on, my man! Come on, come on, my man! Like all these these little isms that kind of just seem to emanate. <laughs> 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 
so, so good. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> <laughs> or at the end. Sorry, yeah. I'm skipping, but at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Why'd you do that? Like, yeah. it's like. Incredible. <laughs> so good. I, uh, I, I really liked it. Uh, I remember at the time when I saw it in 97, I was thrown by it because I'm like, oh, like, is he doing some weird, like, kind of mincing, like, uh, performance, like, you know, some sort of, like, intentionally, like, you know, kind of queer performance. But, like, looking... I, I definitely get some of that. Well, yeah, it's he's obviously doing something queer, but, like, I think, like, the... I think, like, what didn't... I didn't really understand at the time, and it's, like, one of these performances that's aged better, is that he's mm. just doing, like, he's doing this gender-ambiguous performance. Like, but, like, he... he Pansexual. Yeah, but like it's it, as as mm-hmm. Katie said, like he's he's very sexual. He's like and like you know he like yeah. he's seen having sex in the movie. Um, but like it's uh, it's just this different kind of thing. Then I, I just can't think of any. It's it's basically I guess like unless you look at like Rocky Horror or something like that, like mm-hmm. it, that you you get this kind of very um, atypical um perform you know like atypical like sexual performance in a in a movie in a science fiction movie. yeah i i listened to a podcast today actually when i was out for my walk it's a it's a it's two guys who get together they bring on a guest and they are trying to build the queer canon of film mm-hmm. and this was one of the films that they reviewed and i was so curious to get their take and the reason they were doing this film is because their guest is a drag queen performer and right. he loves this film he's a sci-fi fan and also he's like the drag community loves this film because there's so many great costumes that you can Mm -hmm. play Play with with. yeah yeah. and they it was interesting to hear their their breakdown on like the character of lilu the character the 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 play out of like feminism or lack thereof in certain scenes and but on ruby they were 100 like so psyched and so i mean one of the the um, drag queen guy made the point of saying, as a young man growing up in America, this was the first time I had seen a hypersexualized man that was wearing the clothes and moving his body right. in this way that I kind of like caught eyes with. And yet it was also a situation where he was so like all the women were attracted to him. He was, right. he was the honey. And also he was, without i'm trying to figure out the 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 appropriate way to make this comment (laughs) but in a lot of 80s films when you have an alpha guy like he's the one who's getting so-called serviced in these situations right ruby rod is doing the servicing and so we're we're allowed to talk about conalingus on dune pod like that is that is is not off 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 ground i i noticed that too i was like this is like a radical depiction of conalingus in a science fiction movie like has this ever happened uh yeah yeah, it's it's true i think our life i think what you're saying jesus matt Uh, i think i think what you're saying the point about you're saying is that he's hyper sexualized but it's like not as uh but he's also like the most popular person in the in the galaxy um like and like yeah he's not like the hero like he has to be saved but like he he has the upper hand on uh on Bruce Willis before the gunfight starts mm-hmm. um and it's just a, it's a very interesting character and when you see them in that scene too like Bruce Willis is 100% playing the straight like literally the straight guy Mm-hmm. To Ruby's 
multicolor guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Bruce is in a tuxedo. Like yeah. everything we've seen him in before has been like, you know, tank top and leather jacket. Right. Yeah. Doing his doing his dude thing. And Ruby's got a painted on leopard <laughs> velvet, crazy hair going off askance. And then he's and then he's got roses and the roses. Off the shoulder. I mean the, yeah. the the decolletage, like the whole thing going. And he's, and, and um, Corbin's in his tuxedo. Like it is so fun to watch their energy kind of try to mix, but not quite mix, but like bounce off of and be like electrified by each other. Well, Rod, this is Rod's, uh, you know, as this is them entering, they've arrived at Flossed in Paradise. They're coming into the performance of the diva where they're supposed to try and connect to get the stones. And Rod is amazing here. He says, now we enter the most beautiful opera house in the world. To my right, a row of ministers, more sinisters than ministers. To my left, baby Ray, star, stage, and screen. He's not going to get much out of this concert because he's stoned up. To who? And here we have Roy Von Baker, king of laser ball. Recording of a talented voice. <sighs> I play the rest of the song after the concert because right now it's time for Carmen to say the word of the day. So tell me, my man, you happy in the big world? And then he and then he chastises him. Yeah, oh, he totally. chastises him. You need yeah. to bring uh-huh. him more energy, yeah, 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 man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, really great. But you have That's this. Great. In- you have this incredible high-speed performance of him. All of a sudden, you shift gears and you have the diva. The opera. This, this is, is amazing. This is amazing stuff. This whole sequence, once we get to Flossed in Paradise, is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have, starting with this kind of classical performance, uh, yeah. the soprano was Inva Mulla. Um, and you have the first part, which is completely haunting really beautiful and passionate and moving. And it's a story about somebody who was forced to marry somebody they didn't want to, and then they killed them. And uh, so like the opera is selected for its specific emotional content. But then we have this incredible shifting of gears um, of hip hopera as we have <laughs> her performing on stage while Lilu is doing the fight. Um, and this whole sequence, so apparently um, Inva told them that it was not physically possible to do the notes that they wanted her to sing sure. because the human voice couldn't change notes that fast. So she sang them individually. They spliced them together to get what they were looking for. Um, I definitely got like a Cirque du Soleil vibe in this mm. portion. Yeah. Mm. Maybe I, I heard I heard a little Phantom of the Opera in there. I, mm. I, I felt like maybe there was some reference. I'm not sure if I'm just hearing that or if they were intentionally placed there. Mm. It's also interesting. This is Luc Besson's wife who's playing this character. Oh, interesting. Yeah, not singing it, but oh, she's, yeah, but playing, she's the playing and then in the makeup and also delivering the lines, you know, after she's been injured. Yeah, and it's Apparently, kind of interesting also just because, as you know, like the language that Lilu speaks, the divine language is one that Luke created. Right. And they were actually the only two people on set, apparently, that could write it and could speak it. And they mm-hmm. would talk to each other it, and in it. Weird. And um, but his wife's already in the, also in the film. And very shortly, either during the film or very shortly thereafter, Mila and Luke 
get married for a couple years. And so uh-huh. there's, there was a lot of sexual energy happening on this. Interesting. <laughs> so, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. very fair. French. I like, I wrote but a fake, a I wrote a yeah. fake language and fell in love with my film actress. That's 19 like a, year old. That's a classic. Actress. That's yeah. a classic. There you go. <laughs> I, I love there, that. But it's I, Yeah, she was fine with it. I love the opera. I love the singing. Lin-Manuel Miranda wishes he could he could do this. This is this is a tremendous costume is so cool. Really cool. Apparently, there was a big uh, advance in silicone gel for doing prosthetics um, that had just come across. And so that's why. You know, she looks so good in what they were yeah. doing and, and like the little snuffleupagus uh, little guy. The upagus looked great. Picasso. Yeah. Good job on the snuffleupagus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful um, eyes. So... What gorgeous eyes. <laughs> Haunting. Um, so the Mangalore come in and they attack. This gave me like flashbacks to Tenet um, with the opening theater oh, the scene. Opera House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the opera house, exactly. Um, but so Dallas, the diva gets shot. Uh, Dallas gets the stones. They didn't quite elucidate like what was the original plan to get the stones from the diva. That's a little yeah. Confusing. Why a story? I don't know how that works. Was she that, going to? Was she going to? It seems like one must be sacrificed for stones of that size to be removed from an abdomen. So was she preparing to die? I don't know. A, either way, like I don't. Well, it was meant yeah. to be, I guess. We're back at. Uh, colonoscopy pod and how, did they, how did they get in there yeah <laughs> That's what I she, had, know. she had been already drinking the stuff that she was yeah she was to. drinking the prep and like she was ready to get the stones out shortly after the opera no problem no yeah they're gonna shoot right out uh, so we now have the lobby shootout um which to me all of the stunts bruce's you know the jump um basan specifically wanted a really bright um, action shootout because usually those scenes are dark and, and muddy. And I love all of that. And the explosions, the size of the explosions, um, apparently it was the largest internal explosion fire that had ever been done on a soundstage. It was just kind of insane what they were doing. Multiple wow. people in our chat, by the way, have linked videos of people singing the diva song uh, without the aid of computers. So apparently <gasps> human... Humans have humans have have made it work since then. Dang, Inva was arguing for a percentage on the film. Well, Inva, sorry, it didn't work out. <laughs> also, the movie made no money, so that wouldn't have worked out either. Okay, we'll get there. So let's see. So so Zor ends up getting blown up. The Mangalore um, double cross him, um, and they are able to steal his ship and get off. And they are on their way back to the temple. I do just want to give a quick shout out as Mr. Shadow is accelerating towards Earth to explode it. Did you notice who the general was? General Tudor? Mm-mm. Who's the general? Al Matthews, Sergeant Apone from Aliens. Oh, Sergeant Apone. Good to see you, Promoted sir. Promoted to general. That's great. <laughs> well deserved. Moving on he, up. He's great. The president through all this, like the celebration with the champagne and having a good time. And then, uh, you know, like they're in trouble. Um, but the intercut with Lilu learning about war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tough one. War's this bad, like, right? This is like when this is like the when the computer learns about you can't, you know, the only winning move is not <laughs> to play. But are we that bad? <laughs> like we're better than the Mangalore, right? Like they seem very violent. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, we don't know what kind of culture the Mangalore have at home. Maybe it's very peaceful and beautiful. Jason, are humans good? Katie, Katie, are humans good? Well, look, we she said, look, the movie ends well, so obviously it's fine. I mean, you know, spoilers are almost at the end, but like, oh, I've thank read, you. I've read that Luke that that Luke planted this scene in here because he actually wanted people to ask themselves that question. They, they, he wanted the audience to witness Lilu discovering something that we already know but don't think about, mm. and that we ask ourselves, do we deserve to survive? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that we do um, to damage life and take life, mm. should our lives be spared? He says, Lilu, Lilu you're, you're right. right. You're right. But there are, there are some things. Very nice things worth saving. Some beautiful things. Beautiful things. <laughs> like love. Yes, yes, love. That's good. That's good. That's a good example. Like love. Love is worth saving. I don't know love. I don't know love. I was built to protect, not to love. So there's no use for me other than this. No, 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 no. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, I need you. I need you very much. Tell her, uh, Corbin. Please, do you need me? The music swelling. The the only thing that's weird about this scene is like the way that he's holding her. And it goes on. There's just like it's a few too many beats because he's having to continually like kind of like like pull her her. up or something. Yeah. Like Uh he's kind of like she's ragdolling and he's like kind of like trying to boost her up or something like that. And he just like he's kind of like looks like he's getting tired of having to hold on to her or whatever. It's just like, (laughs) I don't know. That part was a little it just like was a little too much like just like jerking on the lady somehow. I don't know. That part was strange, but, but I like that. She said that I don't know what love is. Mm-hmm. You know, she hasn't really felt I it. Don't I don't love. know. I don't know. Love. I don't know. Tell yeah. me. It's pretty quick now, right? With the victory, uh, there, the, the planet, the has, has been uh, effectively frozen. Um, and we go to Lilu and Dallas recovering in the crash. <laughs> When the president mm-hmm. comes to visit, takes a call from Dallas's mom. Oh, yeah. We haven't even talked about Mrs. Dallas. Mrs. She's Dallas, like the running yeah. gag through the whole thing. She's yeah. fun. She's fun. She's in so many scenes. It's so good. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Mrs. Dallas. Mrs. Dallas, this is the president. On behalf of the Federation, I would like to thank oh, you. please. That doesn't even sound like him. The president's an idiot. You don't sound like an idiot. <laughs> you don't even sound like him. You sound like an idiot. <laughs> And then credits. And this song, this like wild banger at the end of Little the end. Light of Love, also by Eric Sarah. Okay. Uh, and the vocal, the female vocal is Yurith, one of his collaborators. 
Eric Serra did the score for the James Bond film Goldeneye. I saw on the uh, really, movie. yeah. He also he also did Nikita. See, he had some skills, yeah. and then he kind of went yeah. away. Dang, I got to get back yeah. around. Uh, he did Big Blue as well. Mm. Yeah, he was like a big Basson collaborator. But yeah. the score is the score is great. This last song, um, even though there's a a slightly cheesy element to it, uh, mm-hmm. that you know, like a strong love piece. Mm-hmm. Um, it still works. It definitely within the oeuvre of uh, the oeuvre <laughs> of the '90s. It's definitely there for sure. Anything we missed on the fi- on the Fifth Element? Mm. Ian Holm is really fun in this movie. It is good to see him. Yeah, it's, it's great. good to see him in it. Uh, great. Like, he's got a lot of really that. cute babbling things, like Itza, yeah, Itza, but, but, Itza. But, but, like he does these things but, but, where he can't but, but, find the words. Yeah. Yeah, he's so fun. Nice, nice. Uh, like that. It's a great. It's a great movie. It's an yeah. absolutely phenomenal movie. Um, to me, this is a, a a true five banger in terms of establishing an incredible mm. visual style and and really elevating what can be done with science fiction and film um, at a moment in time um, where it just really really worked. Katie, who would Tilda Swinton play? In the fifth element. I would love to see her as Zorg. I'd like to see her as the baddie. Oh, my goodness. That's the perfect choice. Adjelbert, drop that in that moment. Yes. I just, just, you know, the natural thing, I think, is to say Lilu, but Mm. I I really like, I like it. I like to, I enjoy Tilda as the baddie. Yeah, Mm. for sure. She, She gets a chance to spread her wings and show her darkness. It's fun. Nice, mm. Jason. I I can't do better than that. That's the, that's going to be my answer as well, for sure. <laughs> okay. Zorg is a great answer. That is definitely a great answer. I'm going to take her uh, as President Lindbergh. Okay. Uh, I want to see her popping champagne and uh, and and getting the party uh, getting the party started. Amazing! We did it, you guys. Woo! Mm. Wow! The Fifth mm. Element. What a flick! Absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um. All right. Well, before we move off into this good night, Katie, what do you have to plug? Anything you're excited about? Anything going on? What's happening? I just saw the trailer for Tilda's new movie with Idris. Yeah. Yeah. 3,000 Years of Longing. Yeah. That's the thing I'm most excited about right now. I am someone who every Friday I make time to watch movie trailers. It's a little gift to myself after getting through a work week. Nice. And I've been kind of disappointed with the movie trailers out there these days. It just seems like we're going through a dry spell or something. Yeah. The, so I saw this one and I was excited. Yeah. yeah. Jason, you want to talk about a trailer you saw today? Oh, well, the Love and Thunder trailer just dropped. Uh, I think during the oh, really? podcast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't see that yet. I mean, I haven't seen oh, it. It just okay. came out during this podcast. So I'm excited to see that. No, no. But talk about talk about Lady Jessica. Lady Jessica, Rebecca Ferguson is in the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning. Trip. Yeah, part one. What a name. That's a yeah. great name. Dead Reckoning is a great name. It is a yeah. great name. And in one scene, she has an eye patch. In another scene, she has a rifle. And in another scene, she has a fucking sword. sword. Yeah. So uh, Dune Pod stands ready. <laughs> Dune Pod will answer the call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I am That's ready. Great. I am ready. Oh, and then well, then also the 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 Elvis trailer dropped today. Too. Oh, is it three minutes and like thirty seconds long? Or it's something? long. It's a long trailer. It's a long little preview of what's. I going didn't on. watch it. Any good? 
Uh, I mean, like Austin Butler's in it, and uh, there's some Elvis songs, and then you've just got Tom Hanks doing this. What doing is the accent? Boy. Nobody. Well, the colonel, the colonel was Dutch, and then, oh. uh, and then, but it's also like he's Southern, so he's basically doing this, like you know, you, you, there's a couple that like Kev has referred to it as. Uh, you know, like Fitzcarraldo Leghorn, which I think is, I think is accurate. Um, and like, you know, it's, I've, I've, I think I've also called it like Dr. Strange, love me tender. Uh, it's just like, he's just like, it's, it's so weird. It's like, and, and that is when Elvis, he became another hound dog or something like that. Like, it's just like, like it's this weird, weird, weird accent, and he's wearing all this prosthetic. It's just rough. It's just mm. rough. It's rough. Tom, please don't ruin this for us. Yeah, we're worried about it, Tom. <sighs> we're worried about it. All right, um, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We're back. Let's do some letters. Are you ready? I love letters. All right, so we have two. Letters in, so let's get to the first one. Hey, Dune Pod, Kev here calling in about The Fifth Element. You know, this one is yet another Gen X genre movie that I had never seen. And in retrospect, I'm glad I waited because the 4K restoration looked just incredible. Kev's question this week comes from the origin of this film. I had seen some trivia that Luke Besson had come up with this film when he was 16 years old, more or less or had, had come up with the ideas that later became The Fifth Element. So my question to you is, mm. in high school, were you like a doodler? Did you spend a lot of time in class in the back of your notebook writing stories? Or did you otherwise, like, what was your creative life like when you were a high school student at the age that Basson was when he came up with The Fifth Element? little off the beaten path this week. I know Kev's questions it. are usually like, this movie has a horse in it. Well, who are your favorite horses in film? <laughs> but uh, we're trying something new on the road to 100. So I hope it makes for good audio. What can I tell you? Also, I don't mean to be that guy, but I have 30 seconds left. So let's talk about the new Elvis footage. I, I fully believe <laughs> that Warner and Boz should have dropped this like two weeks ago. Because holy moly, this is going to be a religious moment, man. I, I just can't. Sorry, I'm trying not to be annoying about it. I'm a pretty self-conscious guy, despite what it may seem. But man, come to the DoomPod Discord, come to the Movies channel, and watch me melt down every day. Because I'm melting down. Thank you very much. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Mm. Once again, it's Kev's Questions. It's, it's great. I, I am excited. I am excited for Elvis just because of how excited Kev is for Elvis. Uh, that's, that's, that's the, the real truth of it. Uh, I don't think otherwise I would be that into this, these trailer announcements, but now I follow like Boz Lerman on TikTok because I just want to be able to experience every beat of the Elvis rollout. Uh, with him. I'm very curious about how many minutes of applause they will get at Ken this year. I, I just want to say like Kev getting excited about anything is good. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying that. And I do it. This just, this just occurred to me, Kev, I just want to make a live on the air offer. If you wanted to do a hot swap of little shop of horrors for Southland tales, <laughs> it's open. Just putting that out there. Well, see, I know, now that's, H is, I know now, that's been your white whale. I just want to put is, that out there. H is just trying to offer anything to make amends. You've got to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to like make up to, to everyone else in the discord as well. Kev so says we'll talk. Please. All right. 
My favorite movie horse is Artax from The NeverEnding Story. Um, and uh, in high school, uh, I was a giant nerd. Uh, and I my, my extracurriculars included the math club, the debate team, uh, the honor society, the yearbook club. And I think that's, I think those are the main ones that I can remember. Uh, so I never, so none of them were particularly like creative, like the yearbook one, I guess would be the most, Oh, I apologize. It wasn't your book. Actually, it was, it was the literary magazine, but I was like the <laughs> editor. I was the editor in chief of the literary magazine, which meant that I was just like, you know, I wasn't writing anything for the literary magazine. This is like a I Wes Anderson like, scene now. Yeah. I was just like choosing what was in the literary magazine. Um, and like supervising the production of the literary magazine. So yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't a big doodler. I could make that cool S that the, the kids could, you know, the, the, the middle school S. Superman like, S? It's kind of like the Superman S, but like, you know, it's like a little more, a little more diamondy. Hmm. I could do that, but that's about as doodly as I could get. I'll post a link to the cool S in discord. Okay. Can't wait to see that. Yeah. Uh, so I, um, you know, from second grade to ninth grade, I was at Warner Christian Academy, Church of God, Assembly of God. Um, and when I went to high school at Mainland High School, where I was Mr. Mainland, um, I was very interested in bringing Jesus Christ um, into people's lives. And so I helped to sponsor Young Life being established for my high school. Um, which meant like reading on the like on the over the air announcements when we would have uh, you know gatherings at people's houses and standing up in front and playing like Beatles songs and REM songs and U two songs and doing skits uh, and like weird um, I don't know like uh, contests and stuff you used to do mm. that right in church group type stuff you ever done any of that in Christian bar mitzvah <laughs> classes. You mean? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I was doing. I was spending a lot of time thinking about how I could, A, like help save people for Jesus, and then also like how to make out with girls as much as possible. That part that's wasn't the, the Jesus wasn't into that part, right? That was uh, ancillary to the Jesus part. I think so. I think so. Does that count mm. as doodling? It's diddling, maybe? I don't know. It's, oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Oh, it's the Corey line. Doompod, hey, this is Corey from Austin, Texas, calling in about the fifth element. This movie is a beautiful mess. Uh, I didn't care for this movie when I first saw it. What? I didn't see it in the theater, and I had seen it on, what is it, 97, right? VHS, probably. Um, and it was okay. But over the years, I've really warmed up to it and had a lot of fun. It turns out it's a it's a very fun movie. And what little research I've done, because that's y'all's job, uh, and y'all will talk about it. I'm sure you're going to get into all the crazy stuff about, like, the, how long he had been writing this and the casting stuff and Bruce Willis making his arrangements to be taking less money and Luke Vasson getting with Mila and dumping the woman who was also singing in the film and all the crazy special effects. Like, there was, like, huge teams of special effects on this. It looks awesome like mm. it's just the visual the visual stuff is great in this and of course there's like so much music in it and just 
Uh, anyway, it's, I really do love this movie now. Um, I don't know if I'd give it a, a total five banger, but I'm pretty close. I'm pretty nice. close. I'd probably give it a four and a half. And it mm, probably started off as like yeah. a three for me back in the day. Yeah. Wow. So, um, um, but yeah, I'm going to let y'all get into it because there's a whole lot to talk about it, about this one. So, uh, who would Tilda Swinton play? Well, she would have to play Ruby Rod, right? Oh, mm. you guys snap. All right. Mm. Love you we guys. We didn't see you it. Great work. We are we didn't getting see closer it. to episode 100. The countdown to 100. 100. All right. Take care, you guys. That's amazing. I'm glad that Corey came around on it because this feels very strongly in the Corey wheelhouse. Although Discord is strongly against anyone else for Tilda except for Zorg. It's the most united Discord's ever been except for that uh, H is off his game tonight. <laughs> They're united on two things. Corey is wrong about who should Tilda play and H needs to be put out to pasture. H is, a, H is a monster. <laughs> it's time to shut it down. It's time to shut it down. Corey, thank you so much. We love you, Corey. Kev, thank you so much. We love you guys. And one final, one final bit of business in the letter segment. Happy birthday to Discord All Star Hacks. Yeah, we're we're glad to be celebrating your birthday with you. Uh, mm. And uh, thank you for keeping it real one. all the hope, time, Hacks. Hope it was a happy one. Happy birthday! All right. Well, that brings us to next week. Jason, are you ready? This will be I, I am this will be a return to form. A return to form. Every, we're gonna go, we're taking it back. We're gonna go put the reps in at the gym, <laughs> get ourselves back into fighting shape. But where are the rails? Can can somebody direct me? Someone's to the rails? gonna direct us to the rails. I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna have a freshly cleaned out colon. I'll be in great, <laughs> great shape for recording next Monday. Yes. I'll be as little full of shit as I've ever been. Next week, episode 98. Episode 98. Are you ready? I I am ready. What's it going to be? Are you familiar with the podcast X-Ray Vision? I am. It was one of my my greatest honors to be invited to guest on X-Ray Vision, not once, but twice. Well, Jason, we are thrilled to welcome co-host of X-Ray Vision, comic book writer, journalist, and genre expert, Rosie Knight. Yes. And she is joining us to talk about one of the greatest films of the 1970s. Yes. This one, this is a white whale for us. It is a white whale. This is honestly, of the films of the 1970s, this movie ranks above The Godfather for me. Wow. That's big. Yeah. That is big. Well, it stars Farrah Fawcett, so in a bit role, but in a bit uh, role, yeah. it, it makes sense. But uh, this was the film that actually inspired my early 2000s DJ handle, uh, DJ mm. Big Track, uh, one of the tracks that I worked on. Mm. Um, this is, of course, the legendary film Logan's Run. Yeah! Seek mm. renewal on Carousel next week <sighs> on Dune Pod. It is happening. Jason, what do you have to plug? I didn't write anything down in advance <laughs> <laughs> it's over, everybody. Uh, I got nothing. Uh, I'll see you on the other side of anesthesia. <laughs> and that's it for this episode. I want to thank Jason and Katie for an amazing conversation. Next week, we're thrilled to welcome the co-host of the amazing X-Ray Vision podcast, comics writer and journalist, Rosie Knight. We cover one of the most classic science fiction films of the 1970s, Logan's Run. 
If you're enjoying the show, leave us a five-star radio review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us whenever you want. The link is in the show notes. DunePod is a Tape Deck Podcast John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher, and our theme music was composed by Toby Forsman of Whipsong Music. Transcripts provided by Sophie Shin. The episode was edited by Megan Hayward of Edit Audio and produced by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week.